0: So, are the are the nostrils still cleared up from last night? Oh, uh, wide open! <laughs> yeah, no, it was fantastic. And the horseradish did not keep you up. Uh, not at all.
1: No, it um, uh, actually I slept very well after Good. a long day of travel yeah. yesterday.
0: So, what's well, kind of a rite of passage for those that come to Indy to go to one of the Saint Elmo affiliated restaurants, which Harry Nizzi is one of them, and and enjoy some shrimp cocktail and get fully indoctrinated into Indianapolis. Yeah.
1: Well, that first bite, you know, it, it, I knew that it was good shrimp cocktail. It, it was yeah. excellent, though.
0: I know I did
2: not warrant, forewarn him.
0: Well, you <laughs> <No>. can't. That's <laughs> that's what we were
2: talking about earlier uh, before we started rolling. Was just that initiation, and you don't yeah. you don't tell the new guy that there's heat there <laughs> with the hopes, the anticipation that they're going to just scoop, like a heaping scoop of cocktail sauce on top. And then take the bite, and usually there's like a, a, a pause, and you can just see this glimmer in their eye. And that by glimmer, I mean like a little Tear. welling up of tears. Right. <laughs> and then the mouth kind of opens up to try and breathe in some oxygen, and that, that moment when they open their mouth to breathe in is the rookie mistake. Yeah. Because all they're doing is sucking that heat up into their sinuses and that is the moment of glory for those of us who just want to have a, a moment of being a little bit mean. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mutual acquaintance, DC,
0: was here. Was it December of this last was back year? In, November. in November. Yeah, it was last November. <laughs> yeah, did we hit him hard. We you know, said it was nothing. We got a shrimp cocktail. He did the same thing. Big piece, yeah. lots of sauce on it. Goes in, and all of us and we're all kind of kind of watching him. Right. And he, like, he was like immediately like. Oh my God, what just happened? Right. It was, you know, well, when good. I took that first bite, I knew I, I can't had- repeat what else he said, but it yeah. was good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to man up real quick. <laughs> right.
1: You know, I didn't want to come across like being a, you know, that weakling or right. whatever, but it was, it was excellent. I yeah. would recommend anybody partake in that for yeah. sure.
0: No, it was, it was a good evening. Um, I had a good dinner, just relaxed at the bar. Um, very casual yeah. Monday night football was on. I mean, yep. It's all good. It was good stuff. Yeah. Um, where do you head to after this? Here so I'm actually drive, east,
1: right? yeah, I'm driving into Cincinnati okay. to one of our factories there. Okay. That, um, and th- that'll probably come up a little bit in the, the story here. Sure. So, but uh, yeah, I'll be there for two days working okay. on a brand new product. We had a, nice. a machine uh, catch on fire and burn up.
0: Oh,
2: that's so, okay.
1: So, yeah, a solvent-based um, process for making foam pads. Okay. And had to shift gears quickly yeah. and to go to a water base, which... Um, that's where everything's going. So, right. yeah, those are unexpected, uh, you know, events that take place that you have no control over. And you're like, how all do right. we pivot and how do we handle this when you've got hundreds of thousands of people using a particular product? Right, no so, big deal. No, no, it's not a big <laughs> deal at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Well, let's <clears throat> let's roll into that and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get a little more detail on that to whatever yeah. extent that you want to. Sure. All right. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Industrious Podcast. Thank you all for joining us from wherever you get your podcasts, or if you're joining us on the Assessor YouTube channel, thank you for tuning in. Uh, today we are joined uh, by Mr. Skyler Faria or Faria? Faria. Faria. Yep. Okay, Faria. I make sure I pronounce yep, that correctly. Uh,
2: yeah. Two out
0: of three ain't bad.
1: Well. Depends on what account You're I saying mean. there's a chance. You know, it could be Faria, you know, Faria. Right.
0: You say P.O. You can call me whatever you want. Right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into baseball. Batting 300 is actually not too bad, right? No, that's actually Pretty You decent. know, pro level, right? Yeah. that's MLB. There you exactly. Go. You look See? like a baseball player. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll t- we got into that last night, but we'll get into that anyway. Uh, Scholar some Smurf Prep. Scholar, why don't you give a little introduction on yourself for our listeners and viewers? Yeah, no, that's uh, thank you.
1: Um, first of all, I'm honored to be here with you, with you fellas and, uh, and your company. Um, Skyler married to Mary, uh, been married 35 years this year, we have three grown adult children. And um, they're all involved in the business that was never a part of the plan uh, in the beginning. And um, it just so happened that um, they're amazing human beings, and they all contribute quite well, have four, um, four grandchildren, And that's throwing me a curveball. Things change when you have grandkids. Um, So, yeah, and kind of live, you know, California, North Carolina. We're always back uh, back and forth, bouncing back and forth because um, we have a warehouse and facility in North Carolina. Uh, A lot of our production happens there and also in uh, California. So, um, yeah, life's good. Everything's a blessing. So that's pretty much um, for who i am that's a brief snippet
0: yeah so you're working <coughs> both coasts uh but you're originally from the new england area correct yeah born born it yeah yeah we
1: oh, talked about gosh. that gosh uh, I patriots know. patriots fan uh be honest yeah, no no <laughs> the first but,
2: part of uh, this meeting the problem is <laughs> yeah
1: it might end all right here you know the patriots uh, fan. was it the plate gate
2: oh boy and yeah. uh yeah, yeah in foxborough right.
1: yeah yeah um Patriots fan. Uh, something pretty special about that is my youngest daughter has been to four AFC, three AFC championship. Well,
2: uh, now you're just bragging.
1: Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I just wanted you brought it up, <laughs> so I thought I would, I uh, thought I would share that. So no, um, yeah, from New England, and um, dad was in the military and ended up in California in the late '60s. Okay,
0: mm-hmm. that was going to be my next question. Is so, what? How did you migrate from Massachusetts to California? Right,
1: it was his uh, yeah. being
0: in the Air Force. Okay,
1: and um, it was two hundred dollars a year more in pay. Okay, to be in California sure. than in Oklahoma. So he said,
2: "Let's okay. go to California. It's two hundred bucks more a year in pay." Income. Or, or just California versus <clears throat> Oklahoma. Right, true. I mean, Oklahoma's lovely, most parts, not all. But I mean, you know, <laughs> California weather.
1: Right, right. No, it's true. A lot of red dirt. In oklahoma but yeah. california is uh it's beautiful you know you have uh, pretty much everything you can snow ski in the afternoon scuba okay. dive in the morning all in the same day so it is crazy it's been good yeah. to us but it's changed so much has changed there yeah. so
0: and you've been in cali for how many since 68 um, okay yeah so quite a while um what triggered the north carolina move
1: oh wow um yeah that was interesting um all of our um, products, the paper-backed wide belt products
0: okay.
1: that um, that we have in our offering, comes from Western Europe, mm. and we needed uh, w- everything was floating down through the Panama Canal. Okay. So we needed to get stuff across much quicker. Yeah, and it made sense, you know, to add on to the building we have in California. It just economically it didn't make sense, and in North Carolina, it did. All right. So it it's kind of um interesting that it eventually it could be it could be a place that we are operating out of full time sure so we're actually we just bought another piece of property and uh, we're looking at putting another building up okay so it's good
0: it's all good yeah i kind of jumped ahead there but let's maybe backtrack so um before you got into this industry i gotta touch on this because i think it's i as an as a as a sports fan i think it's a cool story um you were pretty big into baseball growing up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tell us it was a a, bit about that. It was a, a childhood dream. Lived in a real, um, uh, had a fantastic, you know, mom and dad and sister. Um, but we, my dad was in education. My mom had multiple sclerosis. And um, so we got by. You know, it was, um, everything was okay. We, I, I would, it's not good to compare yourself, you know, to anybody else really in life, but I would look at, you know, the farmers. You know, sons and daughters, and they were driving cars very much unlike what I had. So um, I had a very basic upbringing. And I knew that I had, you know, from an a-, a young age, I had a lot of aspirations and goals to be something to become something. And um, baseball was going to be my ticket that was going to be my way out. And it mm-hmm. would have been my answer to, you know, where I wanted to ultimately be in life. So Um, Yeah, and uh, had an amazing high school, uh, CIF, you know, um, two years in a row, Um, ended up playing for a Division II college baseball team out of California, Um, won a college baseball World Series in 83, came in second place in 85, Um, and I I was just blessed through all the hard work, the discipline, and, and all that, and I was signed by Milwaukee in 85, played in the Pioneer League. And like I'd mentioned last night, my vision changed in 30 to 45 days and went from 2015 to uh, like 2100. So the ball looked like a fuzzy white fur thing and not a crisp, solid, you know. Anyway, that's kind of how that happened. And um, uh, sports has been a big part of my life and always has been probably it, it always will be with my grandkids sure yeah um there's so much that you can learn you know mm-hmm. um dedication teamwork um just uh, stick to itiveness you right. know staying in the game uh as we all know some some games uh you can get an interception at uh, the very end of the game playing Seattle and you win um uh, you know the super bowl right so that's going back to the Patriots. Yeah.
2: Noted. So Noted the reference there. <laughs> or you
1: can be down 28 to three.
2: Yeah. And have a big comeback in the second yeah. half when the offense of the opponent gets So I love being conservative,
1: surrounded by people who are, that have that.
2: Patriots fans, yeah. I mean. You For, like being surrounded by Patriots fans. We get
1: uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It could, it could be that. Uh, although there are some, I'm sure that are annoying too.
2: Um, but,
1: maybe a little. I don't yeah. know. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> The you know it's it's it, you made a you kind of alluded to a good point there as uh, we're both parents our kids are still younger and well he's got a couple out of the house in college but not off the you know the the meal plan mine are still all in the house but you you talk about the lessons learned in sports which apply to any aspect of life and I like to talk to my kids about. You know, most kids will say, I don't like practice, it's boring, I just want to play the game, which is true. Practice right. can be boring whereas the game typically is fun if you wanted to to generalize the two. And we said, you know, those who really excel at their particular sport, and of course then copy paste this example to anything, are the ones who sort of embrace the boringness of practice and because that's where the work is is gained, right? Absolutely. That's where that's where it all happens, is in the practice. It's It's like the painting industry, you know, 90% of the job is prep, Yep. Uh, but it it truly is a lesson for those who are willing to, well, for, for younger people who are willing to listen to their parents and not just say, okay, dad, but it's that aspect that you, you were touching on.
1: Yeah. And it it is the practice. It's the repetitiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I used to take soft toss from my hitting coach in college and, um, it, uh, you know you're in it when you wear a hole through your glove. And then you um, develop um, uh, a hole in the heel of your hand. Yeah. And you're sitting there. You're looking at your hitting coach like, hey, Steve, my hand's bleeding. I have a hole in it from the knob of the bat. And he's like, you know, five more. You know, swing the bat five more times. You do that. And it's, you know, Let's five more. And it's five more. And there's yeah. never an end. Right when you're going after something in life, there's no finish line. You just have to stay focused, and it has. There's got to be passion and a why to to make somebody go through that. And that's where a lot of people don't understand. You know, they they just they look at people's success in life, and they're like, "How did they get there?" And they don't realize what they did on the practice field. Yeah, you know, and that's a a big part of um, that's sets us uh, apart. You so know, what
2: would you say the number one thing, if you had to kind of look back at the um, athletic career, growing up from high school, college, and beyond, and those moments, right? You think back, and, and, and they're probably like flash memories of, I remember this, I, yep. I remember this happening, I remember that happening. If there's one thing you say, boy, if I really am sort of introspective and look back at that period of time, that I, that carries forward to what creates drive today, what would that If you had to pick one thing, what would you say that would be? Wow. You know, um, okay. Um, I wasn't really
1: ready for that. Uh, But when you (laughs) ask the question, that's good. I mean, um, so the answer to that would be, you know, all the preparation and um, all the agony and some of the defeats that you go through, right? Um, The, uh, I guess, so my last at bat in the College Baseball World Series uh, it was one of the longest, highest, deepest home runs I'd ever hit in my life. And as I'm rounding first base, you know, you're in that moment of glory. And you're, I'm rounding the bag there, and I'm like, holy, you know, God, I freaking drove that ball. And um, and then I, I got in the dugout, and uh, my hitting coach came up to me. And he's like, Skyler, he goes, was it worth it? And I'm like, Steve, I love you, dude. Um, Not only was it worth it, it was just uh, it's so hard to unless you've had that moment, Mm -hmm. you know And that was just for it was just a small moment for me. I'm not it's not like you're in uh, the college world series. (laughs) I mean like uh, a Major League Baseball World Series or whatever it was college, you know, whatever, but yeah, it was um, I guess I could uh, you look you look at what you Achieve and the success you've had and it has taken so much um, to get there, and people don't understand that struggle, I guess. So, yeah,
2: definitely. Well, they, um, they, there, there are a lot of athletes, professional athletes, uh, a lot of it, like in distance runners, for example, will say that when you're, when you're grinding in training or practice, and, and you, your body is saying, quit, like this right. sucks. I'm in pain. I'm not having fun. Right. Quit. Your, your brain is trying to figure out a way to tell your body, shut up, keep going. Exactly. And they say, envision the actual event that you're training for, or the goal you're trying to accomplish, not the objectives along the way, but the final goal and, and picture in your mind, crossing the finish line, right? Whatever that finish line may be. And that's, the the motivation to keep that's your brain's way of telling your body no nope, we're, we're still going that that's sort of the mind over matter aspect right. and I think that applies to you know when you're in the batting cage and your your hands are bleeding because yeah. of, you know they're beyond blistered and raw and what have you it's that moment of okay well when I hit the game winning dinger you know yeah 500 some hot feet or whatever yeah that that's that moment
0: yeah and, no. and, and
2: how do you apply that to business then you know or or life in general right. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like David
1: Goggins, you know, when you when you share that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. It's it, there's a specialness, you know, to that whole process, and um, when you go through it and you realize that you've accomplished something that seems insurmountable, uh, you know that uh, the mind's uh, way stronger than the body, and it can carry you through things that, um, you know, like you were saying, you would just want to give up because it's like this is too much but you keep the the end in mind Mm -hmm. you know before you even start the race and that's why you're doing it yeah so um yeah it um that's that's why i've always uh, respected people i'm not uh you know oftentimes people ask you well what's your favorite team and for me it's like who's your favorite player and i like that guy that's drafted you know undrafted free agent or whatever that moves through the process right. and pays the price and then becomes, you know, that big name. Right. So
0: yeah, yeah cool. good stuff. Transcending from baseball into call it the real world, if you will, what, uh, what got you into this industry? Yeah. Um, I was selling a pair of shoes okay. at a Nordstrom. And it's funny, we drove by
1: one last night, and every time I uh, drive by one, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's what got me into sandpaper. Kind of weird.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, so a,
1: a guy came in with a, um, a World Series ring on, okay. sat down, and I'm like, you know, I had uh, mine on. And uh, he sits down, he's like buying a pair of shoes for me. I'm like, who are you? You know, we played at the same college. He was five years older than me. Okay. So he had been on a 1980 team. And so it was an instant fraternal connection. And it was just like, tell me about, you know, what are you doing, blah, blah, blah. And he's saying, well, what are you doing here? You know, selling shoes. I thought you were gone. You are away. I'm like, yeah. And I'm back. You know, my vision had changed. And um, so um, he's like, hey, Skylar, I work for a sandpaper company. And I'm like, really? And I was like, what is that? You know? <laughs> and um, This
2: is not terribly intriguing. No, <laughs>
1: not really. And, and I had these, like, horrible visions in my mind. My dad used to make me sand stuff when I was a kid and grind stuff, you know? just to keep me busy. And like I cried a kid. Yeah, pretty <laughs> so, much. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, we get to talking, and he's like, um, yeah, no, this is uh, I said like, you know, to where hardware stores or what? And he's like, no, no, I go into like Louisville slugger. I go into big accounts that use a lot of sandpaper and this was all foreign to me. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't really registering. And he goes, you know, um, let me tell you a little bit about it. And he said, company car. And I'm like, I was thinking about my Toyota truck in the parking lot, you know, outside the Nordstrom. I'm like, man, I could use a new car. <laughs> and then at that stayed with me and he keeps talking and he's like, well, you know, he goes, I know you'll get the job. And I'm like, Lance, well, I, I need to learn more about it. And I go, but you said something about a company car and he goes, yeah, you get a car, you get a gas car. And I was single at the time. And I'm like, man, I need that car. And that's kind of how it happened. So, um, uh, it started there in 1985, late 1985, okay. and I started uh, selling sandpaper. I'll never forget one of the first accounts I went to was in, um, oh, my gosh, it was, the, it was Los Angeles region. It was a small cabinet shop. I walk in, and back then I used to wear a tie. It's kind of weird. Uh, I'd wear a tie, and I'd go into this cabinet shop, and these two old guys in there are probably my age now, and, um, they said, "What do you want?" You know, and I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm, I'm with VSM abrasives, and I to, you know see if you guys would be interested in some sandpaper." And this one guy looks at me. He goes, "I got three orders for you." And I'm like, "Damn, this is easy." And um <laughs> and uh, he goes, uh, "Here they are. Get out, stay out, and don't ever come back here." Sweet. I went, got my Chevy Eurosport, and I sat there. And I'm, I might called uh, Lance. I had one of the very first you know cell phones mm-hmm. then. I'm like, dude, this sucks. I don't want anything to do with this. And so I didn't have a clue. You know, my degree in college was in finance. It wasn't in sales. It I had very little public speaking, whatever, you know, not a lot going on there. Right. And I'm like, what am I doing? You know, and I thought I went through all this training and everybody told me that this was good sandpaper. And I just, you know, anyway, that was the the start.
0: Yeah. Um, so what carried you through and kind of give us a little um migration into what is today
1: yeah excellent um i i learned quickly vince that um it wasn't about the product yeah you know it was um um i i was so focused on money then i was just like money driven it was like i gotta make money i gotta make money i want to make a lot of money and i none of it nothing really clicked with that kind of an attitude and i started realizing quickly hey, you know what, I need to serve people and I need to identify where they're bleeding because in in the the back of every building, whether it's a 10,000 square foot building or a half a million square foot building, there's a pipe leaving the building and there's blood flowing out of that thing. And these companies are bleeding. And I realized that, you know what, I've got to figure out how to stop bleeding. And if I can do that and I can get there in three or four or five seconds with a potential, you know, uh, human – that owns or manages that business, I'm gonna I'm gonna make headway, and so I started focusing on that. You know, serving and serving, and I forgot about the money. I began learning um, everything I possibly could about the other products that are in the marketplace, although I don't focus on them. I don't go into an account and um say hey what brand do you use that's irrelevant none of that even matters to me it's more about what is the challenge you have and how can we stop the bleeding here and um so uh i i it it was kind of moving through that process i started reading a lot of books you know I, I, i would get deep into uh personal growth uh the development personal development and uh, just become a became a student of the, the, the business. I actually loved it. I began to love it. And it didn't matter if I was selling pantyhose, sandpaper, cars, whatever. Um, it, it, uh, it all started to come full circle. And in the late 90s, I was making more money than uh, all my relatives, you know, and, and some of them were uh, some of them were commercial real estate brokers or uh, appraisers that kind of stuff it was because the focus was on the human and yeah. helping them do what they do best and it was amazing and uh, it just they just it started kept, to click it just started to click yeah you know? and one thing led to another uh and it just um it's been a blessing so that's great did that answer yeah. your question
0: i think so yeah 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 Don't, so then now lead us into what is today lead us into what you know how did how did surf prep come up, come about
1: Wait, um, I had a vendor that, um, that, uh, supplied me with sanding sponges and, uh, it's kind of interesting because, um, man, so let's say, uh, back in the late nineties, mid to late nineties, I had five furniture accounts that in Southern California, that the five of them were doing close to a million bucks a year with me. And I supplied them all with, uh, two-sided sanding sponges, single-sided pads, blocks and all that. And, um, I had a vendor supplier that um, one day, it was in December of 2003, um, Marina called Mary and I up. It was 6 o'clock in the morning, and she says, uh, hey, by 5 o'clock today, um, I need an answer from you. I'm selling the business. And I need to know if you if you want to buy it. And it's 6 o'clock in the morning, and I had a <laughs> piece of toast, and I had some coffee with me. I looked at Mary. Mary used to pay the bills, and I'm like, hey, did did you not, you know, Hey, Marina, that's before she said she made that offer to me. She's like, there's, there's no issues with that. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Marina? She's like, um, I'm selling the business. I'm like, where's Tim? She's, um, she says, um, Tim's not here. Tim would surf every morning. He would unload a 40-foot container of foam blocks that were coming in from England. And they had a pretty... Her dad had started, George Dixon started the company. In fact, he invented the sanding block, the foam sanding block with a guy, Jack Woody Weiss in England. Anyway, she says, Tim's not here. He's not coming back. I'm like, well, when he gets back, I need to talk to him. And she says, "Um, you'll never talk to him again. I'm like, okay, what's up? She goes, "Um, Tim's no longer here. He's gone. And um, so we went through this, and, and I'm like, Okay, so you're selling the business and in my supply chain for foam abrasives, you're one of my you're my main supplier and I was like if I don't buy it, you know, who are you going to sell it to? And, and oh, by the
0: way, I have how many hours to make a, dis- a really yeah, large decision. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and she's like, "Skylar, I'll send over all the uh the financials from my accountant." Long story short, after saying no to her and her father, George, and he was in his early 80s then, I just probably seven times. I'm like, you can do this, Marina. You can do this. You can do this. We don't want this. Just keep supplying me product. And she's like, nope, don't want it. And after seven times of saying, we can help you, we don't want to do this, because she was in an emotional state that just wasn't healthy, Mm -hmm. um, we ended up getting the business. And um, so that – now what's interesting is the majority of the revenue then was for the fingernail industry. So we have over 900 wholesale beauty supply warehouses around the world that Dixon buffers go into. Okay. So if your wives go into a salon here in Indianapolis, if they go look at the box, the box is probably a Dixon box. Huh. So the okay. brand and what George had created was phenomenal. Um, and that all was because of his wife having hair salons and nail salons in the 70s. And she used to take wet, dry, silicon okay. carbide 9 by 11 sheets and cut them up and polish
0: the nail after they used a Dremel. Interesting. Uh, it was I thought you were gonna tell me he developed it when he was still single as a great pickup tool. <laughs> which would've been genius, would have been,
1: way. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> also moderately creepy. <laughs> hey, yeah. Can I buff your fingernails?
1: <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, that's how that all started. And that's how I, um, you know, I had a small distributorship. We were doing a million bucks a year okay. um, at that time. And I just shut that down. And I saw so much more opportunity in what Dixon could do and what they could offer. And that's when I started that quest of um, putting a sanding sponge on a tool, which was very, you know, you would have um, 20, 30, 40 people in a finishing department in a furniture factory mm, using yeah. pad sanding chairs, and nightstands, and headboards, and all that. And um, it was very foreign uh, for them to take something and put it on a tool. So yeah, that's when that um all
0: came about. Yeah. When people are presented with an opportunity like that, um it doesn't always go that way. I mean, there's there's a level of anxiety that's, that comes with it. Yeah. Um because you're making a, a large commitment both personal and financial. Um did you feel like there was part of your drive was, look, this this is what this is what I want to do? Um, yeah. did you always kind of want to be an entrepreneur or just, that was just part of the, I, I wanted to,
1: um, I wanted to have freedom. Yeah. So I, I didn't want a paycheck. I knew known that all along Vince that I didn't want to be, um, so my background or my education was in finance. I was going to become a, um, either a broker or, uh, I, I wanted to have revenue streams. I wanted to have residual income yeah. that would allow me freedom. And so entrepreneur, you know, that wasn't in our family mix, really. It was like, what's that? You know, and, and there were no entrepreneurship programs back then that I recall of in college. I just knew that I wanted to be able to um, have that freedom, the flexibility, yeah. the flex. And that's why uh, sales. I figured, man, if I can sell three million dollars a year, um, yeah, If I've got a, a revenue generator that works for me that's raking in three, four million dollars a year, and if they're playing golf three times a week with key decision makers, how is that different than being in a shop? Right. You know, I mean, you have to be in the shop to help people. But it's like, hey, it's connections. It's relationships. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I wanted. And then I found myself, you know, on that path when I started my own distributorship. But then when we bought Dixon and then when surf, I was like, this is worldwide. This could, I mean, I could go from, uh, seven figures to eight figures and then, you know, beyond that blue sky vision. Right. Mm -hmm. And it it just like, for me, it it was that visionary kind of a thing. I'm like, I, this isn't going to stop. Right. You know, I just, we just got to keep serving, 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 and it will come. Yeah. So
0: was the name surf prep Already part of the the business mix, or did you guys do
1: that? And where did that name come from? Uh, There was a young girl that worked for us. And, oh, actually, we sat around, we, I think five of us, sat around a conference table, and we needed a brand. So we needed to have a brand where it wasn't just Dixon because everybody would get our products. We would sell to large manufacturers, which you fellas would know of by Mm -hmm. name. And we would take all of our labels off, and we would put their labels on the box and ship them out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, people, other manufacturers, uh, they would have Dixon product in a box that had their name on it. Okay. So we did a lot of private labeling. We inherited that when we bought the business. Okay. Um, so we needed a brand for ourselves. And so we're sitting around and I'm like, folks, we got to come up with a name. And we took out pads of paper. We had a, uh, a board on the wall or whatever, a sheet of paper. And I'm like, let's start talking about what we do here. Right. You know? um, and I said, what's sandpaper used for? And people would say uh, metal. Um, yeah, it just, we just went crazy on this mind mapping thing. Yeah. And somebody, it got down to surface. Okay, we sand surfaces. You know, why do we sand surfaces? Well, we've got to prepare them, right? And then it was like surf prep. Like, Oh, that's wild. And then it, um, you know, we're in Southern California and Jenny, she's like, well, let's make it look like, you know, the name is surf prep. Let's make it look like a surfboard. I'm like, I don't care. I don't surf. That's fine. Let's do that. And then, um, we're like colors and I'm, I'm big with supporting military, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, and I really am a patriot. (sighs) Gosh. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <Full circle>. any, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you know, we're like, okay, oh, red, white, and blue. I'm like, well, I that's cool. It could have been green, yellow, and orange for right. all yeah. I you know, you know. And then um and then the original um logo or branding or whatever, Jenny's like, Well, we need to put a surfer on there. And I'm like, Well, we can't do just a guy or a girl. So whoever did the drawing or whatever made it kind of look like a guy, girl, you know, long hair, yeah nineteen Late eight or early 80s surfer, beach bum. Yeah. Um, so Spicoli. So you had Spicoli. Oh, <laughs> you're looking, nice. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you don't want your grandson watching that at age six or seven. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, maybe 14. But um, so that's yeah, kind of how it, it's just everything just it's like there's no there was no written plan. Mm-hmm. And we were just the, the energy, the, you know, is just like, man, we're going somewhere with this. Yep. So that's
0: how the name came about. Cool. I had a feeling that, you know, at some point the SoCal surfing scene would come into a, come into play. Um, so it's, I'm glad I actually know the the full background on yep. how you guys came up with that. Um, any alcohol involved in that brainstorming session? Because sometimes that's the best way. Everyone just start drinking and just start throwing crap against the wall and we'll just see
2: what right. sticks.
1: Right. It was um, like a Friday evening. We yeah, went out to you a... Yeah. Um, and we had a beer. That's where it was solidified. We're right. Like, this is it. We're gonna go with um, surf prep.
2: Yep. So some of the best business decisions are made over pizza and beer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like how you kind of made that comment. You said something effective. Uh, you know, there was no plan, which obviously entrepreneurship doesn't mean that you have no plan. That's not exactly the the means to a successful business. But right. if someone said, define in one sentence what business ownership or entrepreneurship is, I'd say, well. Figuring out the first 80% and then pulling the trigger and just trusting yourself to figure the other 20 as you go. Yep. And some people might say, well, it's more like 50, 50, 70, 30, but I kind of like the 80, 20 rule. Right. And, and I think that that aspect of, it's not so much not having a plan. It's just trusting yourself that you, you'll be able to solve problems as they arise right. as you go through the process. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of people out there that maybe are, um, some would say risk averse. I, I think maybe a little bit that's attributed to a, a lack of of trusting their gut that you know they can make those decisions when they are you know are, are confronted with them. Right. Absolutely.
0: So, <laughs> without <clears throat> giving away any secrets or, or anything, um, where do you see things headed? Where do you, what's what's the next evolution of the surface preparation or the abrasives market? Yeah, it's, um, um, it,
1: there's just so much opportunity. We're, we're, we're such a small company and relationship to, you know, you've got mammoth, right? Uh, Coated abrasive manufacturers. Wow. We're carving our way through and um, what's really cool is we were at an event this past March and we had two different um, abrasive companies were sitting around a pool um, in uh, Phoenix for a big um a sh- uh, a big kind of a trade show if you will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was an all pro event and we had two different um I guess you could say competitors and we had beers <clears> come <throat> to our table. And I'm like, who ordered this? And I looked at Mary and I'm like, she's like, I didn't do this and our our group of four or five of us were sitting there and um it it was uh you know, it was a green and white company and a yellow and a black company, and they sent us beers over. They all came over and uh, at different times, they're like, you know what, man, you guys are just awesome. And um, I, I respect everyone and every company that's out there making it happen, um, I respect them. And they're admirable or they're just, they're doing their thing like we're doing our thing. Yep. And we each have our own way into the marketplace. But it was just the respect, you know, that they're like, hey, you guys, you're really making things happen. And it was cool to have that validation. And, um, uh, you know, after we had won the Visionary Award in 2015 for the surf prep sanding system, and we just won it again in 2023, and those two events, uh, you know, it, we're finding where, There are so many opportunities that are opening up to us in so many different market segments. Um, The product is ending up now in marine uh, applications, automotive applications, um, you know, acrylic. I mean, all different types of surfaces that need um, some form of preparation. And it's, um, I mean, I could do this another 10 years. Uh, I'm not sure that I want to be in it 10 years. I want to be on it. Mm-hmm. for the next 10 years, let's say, but, um, I mean, we could four X this thing, you know, five X this thing, and that sh- all of the work, all the practice, all the batting practice, all the fielding practice, that's all been done. And right now our focus is to pay attention to, you know, where the products needed and just find, carve our way through all of that and get it to those, um, those users of the product. The, the guitar industry, and we're in five, six of the top major guitar manufacturers now with surf prep, where they were doing a lot of hand sanding, mm-hmm. abrasives mm-hmm. on the fingertips. Now they're taking a, a tool to it, and what took um, literally 20 minutes to sand a guitar body is now taking five minutes. And okay. it's just, um, it's a huge paradigm shift. Um, the surfboard industry, you know, we've got shapers that are using the product. I had a shaper call me up and he's like, Skylar, he's like, there's only one problem I have with all this. He goes, I feel like I need to lower my pricing on my surfboards. (laughs) And I'm like, Chris, why is that? And he's like, dude, he's like, I'm sanding the board and, you know, the less uh, over half the time. And he's like, I don't feel like I should be charging what I'm charging. I'm like, Chris, you make an amazing product. You have a brand behind it. Right. People know you for that. And this is going to allow you to make more surfboards cuz it's taking you 8 months to get the next one right. out to someone. Mm-hmm.
0: So And your margin just went up. You're welcome. And yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um it, yeah, it uh there, there's so much opportunity. We we're, we're opening up right now on average about 4 to 5 paint stores every month. And, um, it's, uh, I just sit back and I'm like, man, do I deserve this? And then I quickly snap out of that and I'm like, this is what I visualized for right.
0: years. Um, and it's, it, it is amazing. Yeah. You said you have three kids, all three in the business, correct? Yes. And a son-in-law in the business. Yes. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause family businesses have a whole host of di- other dynamics that come into play, um, I think you may have mentioned this earlier on. That it was not really part of the vision. It just kind of happened that way, right? Um, talk a little bit about that. How how has that gone, and and how do you see that going?
1: Um, uh, I would have never uh, dreamt in a million years that all three of our our kids would be working in the company. Um, they're all rock stars, and um, it. Uh, I, I do know, you know, how it happened. Um, I, it was the way they were raised. Um, a lot of parents have issues with their kids nowadays, um, and the answer to all of that is time. So if you're there and you put time into your kid, that equals love, because if they know that you're putting time into them, they know that you love them, mm-hmm. right? So, and then making sure that they're associating with like-minded people, Now, like-minded to myself and my wife. So we had to make sure that we were associating with other parents, right, that were doing this. So you kind of keep them in this bubble, but not in a bubble, but you're just kind of leading them, you know. Right. And it, it gives them the roots and it gives them um, a foundation to work off of. Uh, you know, Hannah, um, yeah, like I mentioned last night at dinner, I mean, she's, re- she's responsible, that young woman, uh, she's responsible for almost $4 million in one vertical business. And I ask her, we talk about this, and she's like, Dad, I I mean, yeah, I know how it happened, but I kind of don't, you know, but it, it was um her making connections and having authentic relationships where she invested time mm-hmm. into other humans and it's just unstoppable. It's crazy. Um my son. Yeah, you know, I was hard on him um, in a loving way, kind of like my dad, I was sharing with you last right, night yeah. with the oleander bushes. So, my son, same thing, he just works his butt off. And, um, and my youngest daughter, Madison, she's uh, we're getting reports uh, across North America where, like, God, Madison took care of me like nobody else has ever taken care of me before. And I, I'm like, wow, why am I blessed? You know, there's always a reason for all of this. And, and all of our other employees, you know, Chad would have never been a thing if we had not lost Austin in January, oh, Yeah, you know, that was, um, that rocked our world. And, and there are repercussions even today from that, which, you know, if somebody were hearing this and, um, there's reasons for everything, like some things haven't fallen to or come together this year, like we were on schedule to do, uh, to have happened, but You know, when one of your key players that is as um, energetic and dynamic and the guy, I mean, he had an amazing relationship with DC Clark. And when you wake up one day at 39 years, you know, he's 39, 36 years old and you're, you get the phone call. It's like, no, that can't happen. That doesn't happen in life. And, and this is somebody that, uh, you know, I had worked very closely with and they're gone. Yeah. You know, it's over. And that threw us we were all we were numb. It it just you don't you don't plan on that. And um, so we're numb. And I'm like, yeah, I had a guy tell me, Hey Skyler, when the grass is growing, you gotta keep mowing. And this was coming from a a father that lost his son to drugs and was very close with him. And he's like, I lost my son, but the next morning people were calling me up. They, they didn't know my son had passed. And they're like, where's my order? And Jerry was like, I, it, it, you just got to go. You got to keep going. You got to keep living life and remember those people for who they are. Mm-hmm. And so there was a three-month stretch where we had 30 people. The day Austin passed away, I took two phone calls, people going, hey, we, we want to be on your team. And I was like, I was kind of upset. And I'm like, well, you know, this is weird timing. But at the same time. I kind of got it. Yeah. I guess I don't know if that makes sense. And then, so for three months, I, I'm like, who in the heck am I going to get to replace this guy? That'd be like you guys taking your top. You know, I mean, your top person. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I replace him? Because the connections and relationships. So then, never, we were never ever considering a son-in-law, and he was very close with Austin. He drove over one one afternoon. Mary and I are there, and he's he's like sitting there. He's like. I'm going to continue this. I'm going to continue what uh, uh, Austin was doing, and and Chad had a, a thriving uh, painting contracting business. You know, doing two million a year in uh, painting houses. Hmm. And I'm like, oh man, is this right? You know, how many more family members can I <laughs> can I have? Uh, and that's been amazing. Uh, Austin would be Austin would be sitting there with his pinky finger out, having a little daiquiri drink or whatever, um, and he would be. You know what? You guys, job well done. And yeah. Chad, thank you because everything I oh, the seeds I planted, and uh, you know, uh, you've done an amazing job. So, yeah, thank goodness we we don't have any more children to hire. <laughs> you know, I guess. But although it it has been a blessing. Yeah. So it's it's very um, special.
0: Yeah. Very awesome.
1: special. Uh, we may we have family time, and we're like it's Thanksgiving. You can't talk about sandpaper. And how long does that last three minutes, (laughs) three minutes? Somebody's like, Hey, did you get that purchase order? And then, Oh my God. And my wife's like, Hey, you know what? No. Yeah. So I'm sure your family's, you got it. We we
0: tried dialed in. Yeah. So, but the the interesting thing though is, is it's at least those moments we're actually together. Like half the time he's going his, this direction, I'm going that direction. And then, but we're actually there and like, Oh, we're here. Right. There's that one thing I want to talk about. I mean, it'll take right. five minutes, and then, yeah, an hour later, we're serving dessert. Totally. <laughs> I think you know one of the unintended
1: uh, consequences or, or unintended things that you never realize as a family of uh, you know uh, you have a family business is the legacy.
0: Yeah. You know
1: the the little things, the little decisions right. that your father made, right years ago, and I mean those today. You wouldn't maybe be here today where you are. We wouldn't be where we are today,
2: um, had that not been part of the part of life. Certainly, yeah, it, it both both positive and negative in a sense of yeah. You know the, how do you predict the future? Look at the past, and it's and it's okay. You, you have to look backwards. Okay, what were all the things we did that were right? Right. Judging today. Cause at the time you may not know if it was right or not. Right. And then what were the things to say, Oh, probably wasn't the best decision. How would I do that differently so that you can learn from it, you know, and, and not repeat that mistake, or at least take that in consideration when making the next decision and not necessarily the, the decisions that, you know, you as a person made in that past, but as you said, the generation before you, what was their situation that they were in at that time? What did they do and how did that impact us? Right. to, to To really appreciate you know the the hustle that they put in, because you know every every business, particularly a family business, because it's it does extend beyond the office uh you know no matter how hard you try, it extends yeah. beyond the office you know you, you're building it's a ladder and, you're, and, and every generation's got their their responsibility to add a rung right and then when they get up to that next rung you know Not only to within your own business and family, but just societally speaking, you got to have that responsibility to put your hand back down and help the person beneath beneath you pull them up as well. So it's really important to look back and understand, okay, the run I'm standing on, who put that there to give me that leverage, to allow me to to climb up? So I like the way you put that. Powerful. Yeah, totally. For sure.
0: What advice would you give the next industrious person coming along who... Either has an idea or has a passion for wanting to get into something, um, maybe some piece of motivation, some agogonism, if you will. Yeah. Um, figure out your why. You
1: know, um, what's your purpose in life? Um, money only lasts so long, right? Um, you can build. Uh, you can have real estate. You can have residual. You can have all of that, right? Uh, but unless you truly understand what it is that you're doing, you're probably never going to get to where you, to where you really want to go. So uh, you've got to spend time and figure out why am I doing what I'm doing, and hopefully it all circles back to serving. How to you know how can I impact another human's life? To where whatever my service or product is, how is it helping them in life? Uh, that that would be it. And then, it, regardless of the product or the service, and then learn every single thing you can about yourself, and associate, you know, get around with the other like I'm, you know, like-minded people. Um, listen to you know the david goggins we were thinking about having that as a book of the month we do a mm. book of the month with all 34 of our employees okay and they all read the same book and i i have um i have people that work for us that the first day i met them when i shook the, a man's hand it wasn't the the amish handshake i was looking for from a 14 year old you know and now that individual um, with the books they've read and, and the things that they've um, been around, uh, that firm handshakes there. But, yeah, if this is what you want, if, if that's the path that you want to pursue, figure out your why, your purpose, and then start serving. Yeah. And, and then don't keep a record book. Um, you, you, just, you just can't. Mm-hmm. You'll make the deposits of time and energy in the North Bank. And you'll wonder if the returns going to come from there, and oftentimes just simply because you served in an area, then there's other areas where I'm like, I've not done a lot over here, and it's just coming in, it's coming in, it's coming in. So, uh, and I and I did that, you know. I I know from experience that if your focus is just money, that um, you're probably not going to really yeah, get to where you know, where you can ultimately be. Yeah. And just um, be passionate about that. You know, um, I read a book uh, by Joe Girard and this guy sold like 3,000 cars a year. And the first thing I'm, I'm like, that's that's just not possible. And I'm like, I got to read the book. How is it? And when you read the book, it's the simplest thing that he did. It, it's, it's so simple. It like slaps you across the face. You're like, you're kidding me. You know? And 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 it it's um it's amazing. There's so much opportunity in the world. There's so much opportunity for all of us. That um, if that's when that becomes your focus, um, uh, it's uh, I've been in situations like uh, in the south with surf prep in the very beginning, and I, I had I was traveling with a a sales rep, Michelle, and she's like Skylar, we're going to go into this place called Stickly Furniture. And she's like, you know, they don't really like people from New York or California. I'm like, oh (laughs) gosh, okay, I'm from California. And uh, she's like, I know you, you you know, you kind of have a louder voice. And you know, she she didn't really know me, right? Mm -hmm. Michelle didn't. She's like, just just let the lady use the tool. I'm like, that's cool, Michelle. And um, we go in there, and there's this tow line with chairs on it, and we go to this back room, and I knew immediately this lady was seasoned. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're going to the lady who has sanded hundreds of thousands of chairs. Yeah. She knows more about sanders, um, probably air hoses, the sanding disc that you put on the sander, the backup pad, than anybody selling any of those products. And we put the 3x4 air sander in her hands, and she sanded for 15 minutes. And she turns around, and she looks at Michelle, and I thought we were in a, a southern church. mm She's like, you know, Michelle, who is this man again? And uh, Michelle's like, well, this is Skyler. He's with Surf Prep. And she looks at me and she's like, sir, did, did you bring, did you make this thing? You know? And I'm like, yes, ma'am, I did. And she went off. She's like, you know, my hand doesn't hurt anymore. My wrist doesn't hurt, my forearm. She's. I'm able to sand this chair. And what's weird is it's a it's a square sander. It's not round. I've always used round. And it was little moments like that that I'm like, I'm serving. And I, it was all by mistake, you know, it's kind of by mistake. And, mm-hmm. um, um, and I knew, and it, it just, it's, uh, I, I take that energy and I place it into all of our people yep. at surf prep in Dixon and, um, I want them to feel
0: that and they, they do feel it, but, um, yeah. Great story. Thanks yeah. for coming in today. Thanks for coming to Indy. We appreciate your time. You know
1: what? Um, honored uh love it um i'm not i'm not done a lot of these things you know it's all good but uh honored to be here honored to be working with you all and uh the the biggest thing is how can we help people and um once we uh once we do that we have a simple little plan right it's amazing what can happen
0: yep so, agreed but mm-hmm.
1: yeah thank you guys thank you very yeah, much you're welcome.
0: thank you yeah no absolutely
1: problem.
0: And thank all you guys for joining us on this episode of the Industrious Podcast. Wherever you guys get your podcasts, or if you're tuned in on the Assassin <laughs> YouTube channel, thank you for doing so. If you're on the YouTube channel and you haven't hit the subscribe button, please do that. Hit that little notification bell right next to us. You can be alerted when new episodes like this one drop. We would appreciate it, and it won't cost you a dime. Thanks a lot, guys. And don't forget, as Skylar said, be industrious.